0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to ToledoCalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 4 this morning. Luke chapter 4. And uh, we're continuing our series called The Next Big Thing, taking a look at the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I had probably barely been in in this role as calvary's pastor for a couple of years and I had this Question that I just I I didn't know how to answer it 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 wasn't a big deal It had to do with like church structure and how you operate things within a within a larger church and I needed some insight from somebody Who'd been there and I got thinking about the fact that I have a Cousin and we're distant cousins never live near each other But we're family just the same and I thought he's on staff at a large church in the south I bet I could call him up. I mean, we know each other and stuff. I could call him up, and he has a lot of experience. I could ask him, how have you seen other churches? How do you guys handle this situation? So I thought, well, this is cool. So I, I, just, I didn't have his number or anything, so I just called up the church and, uh, and got the receptionist today. Hey, I'd like to speak to you know my cousin, and I didn't say that. I said his name, but you know I, I said that. And so the next thing I know, he's on the phone. And extremely helpful, like answered my questions, and I'm, I'm kind of nosy, so I just kept asking question after question. We were on the phone for probably, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, but I noticed something. I noticed that the conversation was, it wasn't that he was cold, but he wasn't warm. Like there was nothing personal. We, we didn't talk about family. We didn't talk about the past or stories or nothing. We didn't joke around at all. Like he was all business. You ever had a phone call like that? And I'm like, I don't think I'm irritating him but I can't figure out why there's just not more, I don't know, family in this conversation, cousin on my mom's side. We get to the very end of the conversation and he ends with this. He says to me, now Jack, how do you know Chad Gilligan? (laughs) I had talked to the receptionist. I told her my name was Chad Gilligan. She heard Jack Gilligan. She said to him, pastor, Jack Gilligan is on the phone for you. He figured must be a distant relative. We had this whole conversation, Finally, I goes, I am Chad Gilligan. The whole tone changed. It's not business anymore. It's family. We laughed. We joked. You know, we talked about family, you know, this kind of thing. But it didn't make sense when we had a misunderstanding about who each other was. We do this all the time with God. We think we know who he is, and yet because we don't fully understand it keeps us from a healthy relationship. Does that make sense? Today, what I want to do is I want to talk about one of the areas in theology, and we've been doing this for the last few weeks, about the work and role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But to be quite honest, is one of those places where a lot of times we kind of get these misunderstandings. We don't fully understand who the Holy Spirit is who He wants to be in our lives, how He wants to work in our lives, and as a result, we have this misunderstanding, and it keeps us from a healthy relationship. You know where we'll find out what we see about the Holy Spirit, what we need to know about the Holy Spirit, how we can have a healthy relationship with the Holy Spirit by looking at God's Word. And I know for some of us, We come from different faith backgrounds. We come from different traditions. And for some of us, maybe even some of what we've talked about with the Holy Spirit can be a little bit where you go, well, I'm not so sure. I don't know that I understand, or I don't know what I fully believe about this. Or maybe you've heard things in other church traditions that sometimes don't seem to jive with some of the stuff that we've been saying the last few weeks. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to be open to what God's word says about the Holy Spirit and about what scripture says about how he works in our lives and be open to what he wants to do in our hearts and in our lives today. Let's go back and review kind of some of the things we've talked about the last few weeks very briefly. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity, and a relationship with Him is a vital part of the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity, and a, vital rela- and a, and a relationship with Him is a vital part of the Christian life. When we talk about the Trinity, you remember theologically that's a, that's a concept that we use. We find in Scripture that there is only one God but he makes himself known to us in, in three persons: God the Father, God the and God the So that's the Trinity that we talk about. And we've watched this, that the Holy Spirit desires to live in us, with us and through us. The Holy Spirit to de- desires to live in us and with us and through us. And we saw this when two weeks ago when we looked at what Paul says about the Holy Spirit, in particular Romans chapter eight, how he says the Spirit lives inside of us and how we live in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Last week, we looked at the Apostle John's um, gospel and what he records Jesus saying about the Holy Spirit, and especially John chapters 14 through 16, how he's our counselor, our comforter, our helper, our guide, how he has come to be our advocate. And we talked last week about how Jesus promised to pour out rivers of living water into our lives. Today, we're going to look at the gospel of Luke and what Luke says about the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of Luke, if you'll remember, is is, is pretty important for us to have a a pretty good understanding of because if we're going to study the book of Acts, which is where we're at for the next um, season of time, we're going to work our way through the book of Acts, who wrote the book of Acts but Luke? And so the Gospel of Luke was the first part. The book of Acts was the second part. In fact, in in many ways, we can look at this as as one large work, that the, the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke is volume one, and the book of Acts is volume two. He's telling the same story, but he's giving it to us in two separate volumes, the, the gospel of Luke tells us what Jesus did, the book of Acts tells us what Jesus wants to do in us and through us through the power of the Holy Spirit, and, and what's, what's cool is when you look at scripture, you see that different scriptural authors have different perspectives on things, they don't contradict each other, but they help us to see the, the multifaceted dimension of things, so Paul looked at the Holy Spirit kind of from one perspective, John from another. Luke has even a, a more unique perspective on the Holy Spirit because whereas Paul and John were, were Jews, they, they came from a, a Hebraic society, Luke is a Gentile, and he's kind of coming late to the party. He doesn't understand all the, the Jewish things as much as what he sees in Christianity. He was a companion of Paul's. He, he knows Christianity after Pentecost, And after the Holy Spirit has been poured out, so his perspective is a little bit unique because what he sees is the work of the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit comes alongside of and empowers the church to do powerful things in in this post-Pentecost world. So what we're going to do is is we're going to jump in. We're going to look at these things today. I want to show you um, what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. We need some place to start, and so we'll begin here. Looking at the life of Jesus. Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You, you see the Spirit mentioned twice in that verse. It says that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and that he was led by the Spirit. We'll, we'll come back to that part about being led by the Spirit in just a moment. Th- this phrase, full of the Holy Spirit, is one that Luke loves in fact, when we get to the book of Acts, you'll see it over and over again. He describes people as being full of the Holy Spirit. And he uses this phrase not just in Acts. He uses it a lot in the Gospel of Luke. In fact, let's, let's just think about this for just a moment. Luke chapter 1, he's describing John the Baptist. And before John the Baptist is even born, Luke writes for us that John the Baptist will be filled with the Holy Spirit from before his birth. Even while he's still in his mother's womb, he's going to have this encounter with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Speaking of his mother, then we get to Elizabeth. And it tells us that when Elizabeth met Mary, when Mary came to visit her, that the baby leapt inside of her womb and, Mary, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking of Elizabeth, then there's her husband, Zechariah. We looked at Zechariah's prophecy back at Christmas time, And at the end of chapter one, before Zechariah begins to speak this prophecy, it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you see a pattern here? I mean, Luke wants us to see that when God does something through a person's life, it doesn't just happen on their own strength. We've seen that everybody from John the Baptist to Elizabeth to Zechariah, and even Jesus himself, were filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he doesn't use that language, but it's the same concept. If you look at what happened to Mary, very beginning of the book, when the the angel comes to her and says, you will have the, the child of God, he says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. It's so the Holy Spirit at work and filling her. When you get to chapter 2 and you see this dude, Simeon, that meets Mary and Joseph in the temple when they're there to get a, dedicate Jesus, three times in three verses it says that he was led by the Holy Spirit or spoke through the power of the Holy Spirit. Is there a theme here? Luke, more than any other gospel, wants you to see that the things that we do, we do not do on our own strength, but we do them through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's one other place where he talks about who is filled with the Holy Spirit? I want you to see this. This is important. Luke chapter 3, verse 16. John the Baptist is speaking. and John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He's speaking about Jesus here. He says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That, that baptism, that infilling of the Holy Spirit is promised in this verse 2. And who does it say will be filled with the Spirit? He says that you will be. See, years and years and years before you were ever born, Scripture already said that what God has for you is to be filled with His Holy Spirit. And this wasn't just something in the Gospel of Luke. This is what we've been looking at all along. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. I think we've looked at this passage just about every week of this series. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with His disciples... He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to pour out, I'm going to fill you, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. This is, for the disciples, the next big thing where he says the Holy Spirit is going to come. He's going to strengthen you and he's going to help you. And I'm going to pour out my spirit in your life. And that promise that he gave to the disciples is a promise that he's still fulfilling today, right? He's still filling people with his Holy Spirit because Jesus baptizes the believer with the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptizes the believer with the Holy Spirit. And as you look throughout scripture, there's this There's this truth, there's this promise that's there That Jesus promised to immerse the believer When you're immersed, you're you're baptized, you're filled Jesus promised to immerse the believer with the Holy Spirit In fact, we saw this last week, right? We've already talked about this John chapter 7 There will be rivers of living water They will flow into you They will fill you They would flow through you There's this power of how the Holy Spirit comes upon us And He fills us The Holy Spirit fills believers To experience His presence And fulfill His plan Think about that for just a moment Why would God do this Because the Holy Spirit fills believers So that you can experience His presence And then fulfill His plan For your life It's a really cool concept But it can be kind of hard for us to grasp Because there's an awful lot That's going on here and every so often when I, when I get stuck in a space like that, I'm like, how do, I, how do I understand this better? And that's when the old children's pastor in me comes out. Can we go back to kids' church for a couple minutes today? Is that okay? My fr- Is okay? Yeah. Okay. If you don't like it, just sleep for 10 minutes. Okay. My friend Wesley is coming to help us here for just a moment, and, uh, and I want to get uh, a couple things to just kind of help us to understand this concept a little bit. And yes, this bucket is filled with water back there by all those electronics. And I'm sorry, Pastor John. And uh, we'll do that real quick. This is Wesley. Wesley is uh, going to be a senior at Evangel University in Springfield, Missouri. We're real proud of Wesley. He grew up here at Calvary and uh, is going to do an internship with us this summer. So can you welcome Wesley this morning as he's helping me out for just a few minutes here? Okay, Wesley, I know your family. I know people at your school. If you get me wet, I can make your life miserable. We got it? Okay, awesome. This is your life right here. We'll just call this you. And inside this bucket, let's say they're rivers of living water. In fact, the scripture uses this analogy quite a bit for the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will fill us. And if this is you, then you want to be filled with the Spirit. So Wesley's going to go ahead and, uh, and, and dump that in there so that we can uh, show what this means. And keep it coming there, man. Keep it coming. Why don't we stop right about there? You, you can't see this, but what's happened here is it's right up to kind of this inside rim that's there. So if I handed this to you, it would be fair for me to say, this, is, this bucket is, is full. Like when you get a bottle of water and the cap's still on there, so you know it's brand new, so you know it's a full bottle of water, but there's still that space in there. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like when you buy a bag of potato chips, never been opened, it's full. There's 12 chips in there. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right? You say it's full, but is it really filled? I don't want something that's just full. I want it to be filled. So the idea is this. Go ahead. Let, let's keep that coming. That when something is really filled, there's not just a little bit in there or part of it in there, it's filled to the point that what's it going to do? You can keep it coming, man. Keep it coming. It's going to overflow, isn't it? Oh, you can stop. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> as as a little too much. But what happens there <laughs> is you notice that it's immersed. When something is full, it's, it's there, and what's going to happen is stuff may come out of it, too. And that's okay if it's a good thing that's inside, right? Because if the Spirit's inside of us, then it tells us that there will be rivers of living water that will not just be in us, but will flow through us and will impact and touch other people's lives as well. That's key. That's critical to understand this. So let me dump this back in here just so we can. We'll we'll come back to that in a minute. And I missed you this time. That was good. Okay, so we'll come back to this in just a moment. But understand this concept. This is important. The infilling of the Holy Spirit allows God's presence to overflow in our lives. It's not just a little bit. But it's enough that fills us, that, that works inside of us, even to the point that what comes out of us is empowered and filled with God's Holy Spirit. I don't want just a little. I don't want just enough to say, oh, I'm full. I want to be filled. Anybody else? Yes. I mean, I want everything that he has for me. So this concept that the infilling of the Holy Spirit allows God's presence to overflow in our lives. But I want you to, I want you to see something else that's important that goes with this. So understand this, okay? Right? You're this vessel, right? And the Holy Spirit comes, and he fills you. And uh, yeah, we'll go ahead. We'll get, we'll get a little bit more there. So we, we, we won't quite go to overflowing just for the sake of the analogy. But you're full of the Spirit, right? But here's what happens. When you go through life, life leaks, doesn't it? <laughs> and what happens at times is that you have situations, you have encounters, you have challenges. And even though you're full of the Spirit, life can drain the Spirit out of you. True or false? True. True. And you will find that life can kind of leak right out of you in those times and in those moments. And what happens is now you're not as full as you used to be. So the reality is then you've got to go back for more filling. True or false? True. True. And this is a powerful truth. That's good, man. You're right there. Because at some point, life's going to leak. And when it does, you need to have that infilling come back. Understand this. Being filled with the Spirit is not this one-time occasion that just happens once and then you're good. I think sometimes we think, well, if I can just have one good dose of the Holy Spirit, then I'm set. I can check it off my spiritual bucket list. And there's more to life than that because the life's going to come out of you. And when it does, you need to be able to be filled again. Can I dump this before I make a mess? Okay. Can you give Wesley a big hand for helping me out here today? Good job, man. Thank you. So there's, there's a really important concept that's in scripture, that's key for us to grasp when we talk about this. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is an ongoing and repeated experience. It's not something that just happens once. I can be filled with the Holy Spirit and I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When we get to Acts chapter two, you'll see the disciples filled with the Holy Spirit. And then when you get to Acts chapter 4, those same disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit again. Why? Because this is an event. This is something. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that we are to be filled and continually filled and filled again with the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. Let's, let's start here. How many of you had breakfast or are going to have breakfast today? Maybe some of you are doing like a little brunch thing. Go ahead, raise your hand. How many of you had breakfast and are going to have breakfast? Okay, that's cool. Put your hands down. How many of you are going to have lunch a lot of the same hands, right? How many of you are probably going to have dinner? How many of you are going to have dinner twice? (laughs) I see that hand. Kindred spirits right there, man. Why? Because just because I ate earlier doesn't mean I'm going to not have to eat again. Why do I eat again? (laughs) Because I like being full. And the truth is spiritually that just because I was Filled with the Spirit. It's not any fault of the spirits. It's just it's life. It's the world that we live in. That life will come out of us, and we need that life refilled in us again. So it is this ongoing experience of us being filled and then filled again with the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want to show you today. Real real quick, we're going to run through this. Two aspects of what the Spirit-filled life is like. And we're just going to look at Luke chapter 4 here today. Two aspects of what the Spirit-filled life is like. And, And understand this. We're just scratching the surface. We're going to take three Wednesday nights in in June. So it'll be the 14th, 21st, and the 28th. Now, the the first Wednesday in June is is our summer blast, and that's our big kids event that we're doing. If you've not registered or signed up your child or a grandchild or some, some child you know to come and be a part of this, man, stop by the hub. Jump online. It is going to be an awesome event. We still would love to have some folks help us out. We're getting a stronger registration than we've ever had before. Which means we need more people to help us than ever before And whether you're a a child specialist or not Stop by the hub or or jump online and and sign up to help us as well So the seventh is summer blast The 14th, 21st, and 28th We're going to do a a three-week teaching on the Holy Spirit called the Spirit-filled life I'm going to be talking about what it really means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit How do you know if you have been? We're going to talk about spiritual gifts and how they are at work in our lives we're going we're gonna to do a question and answer panel one of those nights where we answer common questions about the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. Each, each one of those Wednesday nights, we're going to take time to worship. And we're going to take time to stop and pray and seek for the Holy Spirit's presence and work in our lives. I can't encourage you enough. Some of the things that we, we just don't have time or, or the ability to, to touch base on on a Sunday, these Wednesday nights are really important as we talk about what it means to be full of the Spirit. Let me just briefly give you two things. Here's the first one. Number one today The Spirit-filled life is purposeful. If you are full of the Spirit, then number one, the Spirit-filled life is purposeful. There is a purpose behind the leading of the Spirit in your life. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil... He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. There's, there's a powerful picture here that as the Spirit leads us, he leads us into something purposeful in our lives. Some of us go, what, is, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? And this is an interesting concept. But you see, Jesus led by the Spirit here, and it's something you have to grow in. It's something you have to kind of learn to hear his voice, allow him to guide you, and the more you're led by him, the more he's able to, to lead you. I guess I would... I would liken it to this. Do you remember last week when I talked about how sometimes I forget things? And if, if Rhonda says, hey, could you, could you maybe stop by the grocery store and pick something up on the way home? My encouragement to her is, can you text me? Because then I'll, then I'll remember. Well, here's what happens. Then I get to the grocery store. I pull out my phone, and I look at it, and I go, I don't even know what that is. I don't know where that is. And so I go in the grocery store, and I have to call on my counselor, my comforter, my guide, my advocate, Rhonda, I don't know what I'm doing. Right? And I call her up and I say, Where do, where do you want me to go? How am I going to find this? You know, because I don't know what it is. And, and I want to make sure I get the right thing. And so she'll say, Okay, you need to go here. Is this the owl? No, that's not the owl. Is this the owl? No, the owl. Have you ever seen the clueless husband on the phone in the store? Anybody? That's me. Every so often, I'll actually FaceTime, in part because it's helpful, in part because people look at you funny, in part because it irritates Rhonda. So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'll do all those things. But you know, you're on the phone and I'm like, Okay, so where do I go? And she goes, Okay, you're in the right owl. Now you need to go about halfway down. Do you see it on your right? Kids okay, on your right. I remember, wow, I think it was taco seasoning. I'm like, why, why are there 200 types of sock taco seasoning? Who needs this? Is it this brand? No, I don't like that brand. What about this brand? Yeah, I like this brand. Do you want this one or this one? What color is it? I, I don't, I, it's just taco seasoning. <laughs> but I need to be led to the right thing. And then at some point, I get the right thing. It's not that I couldn't have figured it out on my own, it's not that I'm incompetent, it's not that I, I couldn't have just made a decision. But there are times when I know I want to do the right thing here. I don't want to waste time. I want to make sure I'm in the right place. So I'm happy to be led. Does that make sense? Look, I need the Holy Spirit speaking into my life, guiding me in those decisions, helping me to know the right way to go, the right places to be. I want to be led by the Spirit because when I do that, then I know that I'm living life as full as I can. The leading of the Spirit directs us to God's purpose. I don't want to fulfill my purpose. I want to fulfill His. I want to do what pleases Him and has at work in His life. So I want to be led by the Spirit. Here's my hope for some of us, whether we've ever been in in an active relationship with God the Holy Spirit in our lives before or not. We live our lives based on what seems right and best to us in the moment. We're led by our own wisdom or maybe even by our own desires when life is so much more fulfilling when you're led by the Spirit. And so the encouragement is if you're full of the Spirit, then you'll be led by the Spirit. And there's a couple of things that are key for us to see, and, and let me start here. For some of you, even as I'm talking about this, it, it's resonating with you. It's like you're going, yeah, that, that's something more I wish I was experiencing. I think this is what he's talking about. So what does that mean if I'm going to be led by the Spirit? Well, Well, on the one hand, God's purpose leads us to action. If you're going to be led by the Spirit to the purpose of God for your life, then recognize that God's purpose will lead you to action. It will take you to a place where you are actively engaging in His will and doing what He's called you to do. And when you do that, you will watch and see the Holy Spirit step in and then guide you and help you and lead you in those moments and in those times. It tells us that Jesus was full of the Spirit, that He was led of the Spirit, and the Spirit led Him to go from the Jordan into the wilderness, not to sit still, but to be active. To take that step of faith. And if I'm going to be led by the Spirit, then I have to be willing to follow Him into what He's going to call me to do. 2010, um, Calvary's leadership and the, the body chose to, to purchase this building from our former home on Glendale. And then about the summer of 2011, we had to make some decisions about how do we move forward from here. It was the end of 2010, summer of 2011. We'd done the research we had to decide, how do we do renovations? How do we move forward? What do we do from this point on? And to be quite honest, there were a lot of things we didn't know. There were decisions we had to make. We didn't have the resource. We didn't, we didn't have the insight. We didn't necessarily know exactly what God had in store. And I remember in the midst of all the unknowns, our, our board was meeting one, one Thursday night out in the atrium, out right in front of the fireplace. Does anybody remember when that fireplace was a concession stand? Does anybody remember that? We saw movies here. We're meeting right out in front of their concession stand still there. And one of our board members in the midst of all the unknown said, look, if the Holy Spirit had, has led us to this, then we can trust him to take a bold step of faith and expect that he's going to lead us the rest of the way. So that night, our board prayed and we voted to take some steps of faith that we didn't know how they were going to work out. Thursday night, Friday morning, a guy comes in and meets with myself And our business administrator And he says I just feel led of the Lord To give this donation It was the largest single donation We had ever received up to that point Over $100,000 And says I just want Calvary's leadership to know That as God's leading me to give this I really feel like he's saying That you can trust him As you take bold steps of faith Decision on Thursday The Holy Spirit steps in on Friday Two thoughts If you want to give the next biggest donation Just catch me after church Number one (laughs) Number one, number two Look, it doesn't always happen that way It doesn't always happen that you pray one day And then God steps in with the miracle the next But I do know this That when I pray and take a step of faith I'm reminded of what God can do And so I trust Him He calls us to action Little caveat with this That purpose that leads us to action Purpose often leads to change Jesus had to go from the Jordan to the wilderness From a place he was pretty comfortable to the wilderness. Sometimes it will call us to change. Change isn't always bad. Sometimes change is good. You ever had a change you would take again? If you're a baby, you do. Right? Change a baby. Get it? Some of you will get it at lunch, and that's disgusting. Um, But the truth is, anything that grows, anything that matures requires change. But change isn't always easy. I just told you a really cool story about how Calvary's leadership stepped out, took a step of faith, and the Holy Spirit met us in a powerful way. I'm afraid I have far too many stories where I didn't, far too many stories where I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I second-guessed myself, or I talked myself out of it, or because it was going to cost me time or money or maybe even credibility. I I feared taking that step, and I gave way to fear instead of faith. Am I the only one? I've got to be willing to say, Holy Spirit, lead me, even if it requires change. One other thing that's interesting about this passage, pur- purpose often leads to change. But purpose often leads to struggle. D- don't think a struggle is a bad thing. Struggle is just a, a difficult thing. Sometimes struggle is a, is a good thing. and it's not just that you're in a challenge, but sometimes anything that takes effort to move, anything that requires strength usually is a struggle, right? And there's times when the Holy Spirit leads us, And it might lead us to a place of struggle. And here's why. Because sometimes struggle is the only way we're going to get past where we are to where he wants us to be. That he's truly going to play his purpose out in our lives. My fear is this. That for some of us, we think if the Holy Spirit's leading me, then life is a highway and it's going to be smooth sailing. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit leads you down a bumpy road. And you say to yourself, I'm not sure this is the Holy Spirit. He'd never lead me down a bumpy road. But that road might be bumpy. And it might be a struggle Listen to Luke chapter 4 verse 1 Jesus was full of the spirit He was led by the spirit Into the wilderness To be tempted by the devil Does that sound like a fun field trip? Doesn't sound very Christian to me That the spirit led him To the wilderness Matthew says To be tempted Now understand Did God tempt Jesus? No he's not the one that tempted him but he allowed him to be in a place where there was struggle because of two things. One, if he hadn't gone through that struggle against sin, we could never be confident that he could be our substitute and our Savior, right? And out of that, the power and the growth that came from that not only helped Jesus to accomplish his purpose, but if you study that, it teaches us how we can overcome temptation as well. God used a struggle to be able to accomplish his purpose. Have you ever been there? Your marriage may be struggling. Your work may be struggling. There might be a struggle in your finances or your health. And too often, we want to check out and think that if I'm in a struggle, then God's not there. When actually, God might be saying, look, I'm I'm just on the other side of this struggle. You get through here. I'm leading you through this because that's the only way you'll truly see me at work. You know how you find the strength to do that? You're filled with the Spirit. And you let the Holy Spirit lead you in those times. And guide you to his purpose. Man, so much more we could say about that. Number one, life in the spirit is purposeful. Let me give you number two. We've got to jump ahead. Number two, the spirit-filled life is powerful. Number two, the spirit-filled life is powerful. Not just purposeful, but it's powerful. Verse one, Luke chapter four says, Jesus was filled with the spirit. That's our starting point, right? And then it says, that he was led by the Spirit and God led him to his purpose. Watch what we see next. You, you get to the end of that temptation story. You go from verse 1 to verse 14, and after Jesus was tempted, it says this in verse 14 Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. It says that he came in the power of the Spirit. You will hear this a lot in the Gospel of Luke, you will see this a lot. In the book of Acts, that the Spirit's power works inside of us with demonstrations of power. So here's here's what I want to do today, and, and, and I think this is helpful. I want to give you just several broad categories of how we see the Holy Spirit work in power. We see this mostly, what we'll use the book of Luke kind of as our launch point. But then you're going to see it a lot when we get to the book of Acts. The reason I, I want to go through these, and we're... we're We're going to race. We're barely scratching the surface on these four or five things. But the reason we talk about them is so that you'll see how the Holy Spirit is at work in the gospel of Luke. So that you'll recognize it when we get to the book of Acts. And even more, I'm more concerned that you're in a place where you're willing to recognize it in your own life. Because the work that the Holy Spirit did in the New Testament, is he still doing that today? We believe that. So what does it look like based on what we read in Acts? For the Spirit's power to be at work. Let me show you just a few categories real quick. One is the Holy Spirit comes and works with what what I would call creative power. Let's call it creative power. Here's what I mean by that. Very beginning of the Gospel of Luke, one of the first people we meet is Mary. And Mary is visited by an angel. And the angel says, you are going to be the mother of the Messiah. How's that going to happen? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Most High will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit's power at work in her life did something creative. It, it did the, the, the immaculate conception, something that it had never been experienced since or, or before, where the Spirit came upon someone and created new life. Now, that shouldn't surprise us, though, because do you remember two weeks ago, book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 2? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was, was, was a mess. was chaos. And who was hovering over the waters? The... The spirit and through the spirit, then creation happened. Do you remember the, the Hebrew word for spirit, ruach, has the idea of wind or breath? That creative power, that's what gives us life and brings life to us. The spirit brings the breath of life to the believer. This is key to understand. His power puts wind in your sails when you're in the doldrums, comes alongside and breathes life into you. And my question is. Where is the Spirit bringing life to you? Where, where is there this, this fresh wind, this fresh breath that's coming to you? I, I felt so strongly, and I, I, don't know, I don't know what this means, but maybe you do, that the Holy Spirit is challenging someone through this message today to take the step of faith into something new. That you need the Holy Spirit's creative power. And you you may know exactly what he's talking about. You may know exactly what God's trying to speak to your heart about. But there's something new that he wants you to do, that he wants you to launch into. And don't be afraid to take that step because he has creative power for you along the way. That's his creative power. Let me give you a second kind that we see in in the Gospel of Luke. It's what I would refer to as prophetic power. Prophetic power. We've already seen this The first two chapters of Luke Have Mary prophesying Zechariah prophesying Simeon prophesying The problem is with As soon as you use the word prophetic Our minds go to a crystal ball Anybody else? You think prophetic And you think Oh somebody's going to tell me They're going to walk up to me And they're going to say Thus saith the Lord I know what thou shalt eateth for lunch today Right? That's the idea We think it has the idea Of I'm going to tell you the future And that's not really at, at its heart What what prophecy is, or what we see as prophetic in scripture. Prophecy may be foretelling, but is always forthtelling. Foretelling meaning I'm going to tell the future. And there are times when prophecy is, but prophecy is always speaking a word, speaking something forth. It's forthtelling about the truth of God. It's living in a way that lives out the truth in the words that you say, in the things that you do, and the Holy Spirit will come alongside of you. He will help you to live and speak prophetically because he is, do you remember this from last week? He is the spirit of truth. Luke chapter 12, verse 11, Jesus says, when you're brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. See, the Spirit brings prophetic insight to the life of the believer. So for some of us, it's time for us to embrace this prophetic power and allow the Holy Spirit to to speak to us, to speak through us, to use us to be those who are are those who carry truth. Here's a third way that we see His power in, in the Gospel of Luke. It's what I would call anointed power. Anointed power. You know, we're in chapter four, right? So Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted. He's led by the spirit. He comes out of the wilderness. He's, he's empowered by the spirit. And then he goes to the synagogue. He opens this scripture from Isaiah and he begins to read and he says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me too. And then Jesus gives kind of this, this job description, Luke chapter four, 18 and 19, of what the spirit has called him to do, how the spirit's gonna lead him How the spirit will anoint him know this the spirit anoints the believer to fulfill god's plan for their life And if you need god's strength If you need his help If there's something in front of you and you say god I know that you have called me to this job Or to this season of studying or you've called me to be a parent Or you've called me to carry this out for you. He's not going to call you to do it And then just leave you hanging. He's going to give you the anointing and the strength that you need. And for some of you, God is calling you today to step out into that calling. Or to take with more confidence the role that you already know that you're in. Because the Spirit will come alongside of you and give you the anointing that you need. Let me give you the next one. It's what I would refer to as miraculous power. I would refer to this as miraculous power. What you see as you go through the Gospel of Luke. Over and over and over again Luke's very clear The things that happen Even the miracles that Jesus performs Are done through the power Of the Holy Spirit at work in lives Acts chapter 10 verse 38 Luke gives us kind of a a snapshot Later on in in volume 2 He talks about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth With the Holy Spirit and power And how he went around doing good And healing all those Who were under the power of the devil Because God was with him Luke's gospel reveals the Holy Spirit's power at work in the life of Jesus. Even in Jesus' life, that it was the Holy Spirit who was at work and bringing this miraculous power. There's cool stories, aren't there? Where blind people see, lame people walk. You even get a couple where where dead people come back to life again. Do those sound miraculous to you? It's a cry shame that miracles don't happen anymore. Sure wish they did. Let's go back to John chapter 14, where we were last week. Remember, Jesus is saying to his disciples, I'm about to go, and because I'm about to go, there's things I need to say to you. Verse 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, Because I am going to the Father. Jesus says, because I am going to the Father. That's important because if he goes, he is going to send the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus says, then the Holy Spirit will work his power through you. You will not only see the same things that Jesus did. He said even greater things than these you will do. Because the Holy Spirit's miraculous power at work in our lives. Here's the good news. Jesus performed miracles. The Holy Spirit worked miracles in the New Testament, and he's still doing it today. Can I get an amen? Amen. He's still working those things today. I don't know, Chad. I don't know nobody. I'll tell you somebody. Shelly, she was in the first service. She caught me before the service started. Just within the last couple weeks, she had, and I got to read her, I mess it up. She had pulmonary emboli, which basically means they were these clots that were saddling her lungs, Guess what happens to people who have that? They die. Shelley was here today. You know why? Because God does the miraculous. He heals us. Yeah, you can celebrate that. The believer is commissioned to experience the Spirit's power at work in their life. It's right here. Scripture says that That what happened then is still happening today and even greater things than these. And too many of us, because we're so comfortable with the natural, we shut down the supernatural. When God wants to work the supernatural in our lives, creative, prophetic, anointed, miraculous. Let me give you one more real quick. Let's just call it personal power. Personal power. This isn't just for the New Testament. It's not just for pastors and board members and really good-looking people. It's for me, it's for you, it's for every believer. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, after Pentecost, we'll get there when we get to Acts chapter 2 here next. After Pentecost, believers experience the power of the Holy Spirit at work in a personal way. So before Acts chapter 2, when the, when the Spirit was poured out on people, it came to just kind of a select few. But you get to Acts chapter 2, and, it, and it's for every believer. Not just me, not just people that sit on the front row. For everybody. He pours that out on us. All right, Chad. Um, not going to lie. You start using words like creative and, and prophetic and anointed and miraculous, and uh, I know I've, I've read this stuff, and then I know you know what we talked about and stuff, but you start using some of that supernatural business you you start talking about um, the Holy Spirit like in you work, working through you I'm not gonna lie it creeps me out a little bit because some of us just to be honest have had some bad experiences we've we've maybe heard some teaching that would say that the work of the Holy Spirit maybe doesn't happen in this way anymore or that it's not something that God blesses. Some of us have had some experiences where we've been around some people who instead of maybe being filled with the Spirit, they were just filled with crazy. Anybody anybody had that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're flipping channels. You see some service on TV and you're like, I ain't never going to that church. I can tell you that right now. You have those experiences. So what happens, track with me here. Because we don't have a proper understanding of who someone is, it takes away from the relationship that we could have with them, Jack Gilligan. And the Holy Spirit wants something more for you. He wants you to understand who he is. Yeah, Chad, but all that stuff you talked about weirds me out just a little bit. Luke chapter 11, verse 9. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Do you see this? There's this idea in Scripture that when you ask, God is happy. He wants to provide you with what you need. He goes on to say, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give and watch Luke narrows it down here how much more will your father in heaven give the holy spirit to those who ask him look i know that for some of us the things we've talked about today are a little bit of a stretch they're a little bit new they're a little bit different but look you you know us you let me show you the safety of god's word that says your father is good that he wants to give good gifts to his children and if we believe that God is good, then the Holy Spirit at work in our lives is a good thing. He wants to work that out in us and through us. And my challenge to you today is to be open to receiving that work of the Holy Spirit in your life. I mean, we, we could say so many things here. Let me just wrap up with this thought, though. You will never be full of the Spirit if you're putting other things in His place. At some point, my goal has been to show you a portrait of the Holy Spirit so that you will be hungry to know His leading in your life. So that you'll be hungry to know His power. I can tell you what it's done for me. It's shown me how quickly I I can just get into life that's commonplace instead of living life in the Spirit. And I don't want to just be kind of full. I want to be filled Because that's going to be better for my life, and that's going to be better for my family, and it's going to be better for my church, and it's going to be better for my community. Because if I'm so full of the Spirit that what comes out of me is the Spirit, wouldn't that be a good thing? My challenge is that you would leave here today hungry for the Spirit to work in your life. About 10 years ago, Pastor Bill and I traveled to Dallas for this missions conference And um, before we went, I was talking to my friend, Marty, and he goes, you're going to Dallas? And I said, yeah. He goes, okay, dude, you got to go to this restaurant. He's like, you got to go to this place. And typically, people give you a a suggestion. You're like, you know, and I'd I'd not really been there. I didn't know where I was going. He says, no, 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 listen to me. I'm telling you, whatever you do, I don't care if you have to skip something. I don't care if you have to change your schedule. I don't care if you have to move things around. Do not miss this restaurant. I'm like, why? He said, listen, you got to understand this. It's going to cost you something. It's going to be expensive. And it's probably gonna take more time than than you want. But I'm telling you, if you go to this Brazilian steakhouse, your life will never be the same. Anybody been to a Brazilian steakhouse? Picture marriage supper of the lamb without Oreos, okay? It's amazing. They walk around with meat on sticks. If you're a carnivore, this is heaven. Put the stick down on your table and then they just carve that meat right off of that stick onto your plate then they come back with a different stick with a different meat, and they keep coming and coming as many times as you want them to come, and you just eat and eat. Pastor Bill and I were in a meat coma when this was done, and you eat and you eat, and it was honestly best meal I had ever had. It was amazing. It was expensive. Took some time. Cost me more time and money than I would have normally given And I have zero regrets. The other thing he said to me was this. He said, look, if you're going there for dinner, make sure you eat a really light lunch. Because you want to go there hungry. So don't fill yourself up with other junk. So you don't have room for the good stuff. Look, my prayer is that you'd be hungry for the Holy Spirit. That song that you heard the students lead us in a few moments ago wouldn't just be a really cool song by some sharp teenagers. Then it would be your prayer, Spirit, break out. I want heaven to touch earth in my life. I want to know your purpose. I want to know your power. I want to be filled with the Spirit and experience everything that you have. And some of you might go, I don't know how to do that. I don't know what that looks like. I'm a little bit, I, I don't know. You know what? Then I would say, carve out the next week, couple of months, and be open and say, Holy Spirit, I open myself up to what you want to do in my life. I'm going to go through life not just, looking for my own wisdom but trusting in yours, that you would, Spirit of God, breathe on my life, breathe on your church, bring that fresh wind to my life so I can know what it's like to be filled with the Spirit. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do, whether whether you're right here in Auditorium One or Auditorium Two, even you're watching on a screen somewhere, would you just stand with me? All throughout the room, would you just stand with me? And if you're hungry for the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life, would you just lift your hands? Nothing weird. I just just want you to be in a posture to to receive. And would you even begin with your own mouth? Just begin to say, Holy Spirit, pour out your power in my life. Lord, lead me in your purpose. Don't be afraid to speak. Everybody else around you may be doing it too, so that's okay. God, would you lead me? God, would you direct me? Would you help me to know you? Would you breathe on my life? Would you allow rivers of living water to flow in my life? Would you bring your wind? Would you bring your strength? I need you to be my counselor. I need you to be my comfort. I need you to be my advocate. Holy Spirit, would you breathe on your church today? Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, God. some of us this week, you're, you're going to lead us in a way like you've never led us before. God, may we be open to follow your leading. Lord, for some of us, God, we need your power in a creative, prophetic, anointed, miraculous way. May we personally experience your power like never before. Father, may we be filled to overflowing. For some of us, it's, it's, it's not just a, a quick hit on Sunday morning. This is something that you're you're going to develop this hunger in us, that over the course of the next weeks and months, God, we're going to desire to experience you like we never have before. May we be a people who are filled with your spirit. Now, Lord, as we go from here, we ask that you would go with us. Father, would you send us out with your special favor, with your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.